Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. a packed chin music show we have trade rumors we have roster moves with the return of miguel sano we have the twins visiting taylor rogers uh, so much to talk about here this is our baseball show at talknorth.com lavelle neal of the star tribune roy smalley of twins fame and twins broadcasting fame uh, myself jim suhan our producer brandon morton also we're going to be able to talk to lavelle about his weekend in cooperstown uh, before we get to the nostalgia, let's get to current events. We are recording this Thursday midday. The Twins, of course, could possibly make a trade at any moment here. Uh, I guess my first philosophical question is, at this point, with Winderhurt and Oberhurt and uh, Bundy and Archer struggling, do the Twins need a reliever more or a starter more? Let's start with Roy, who's in San Diego with the Twins right now. You know, that's a coin toss. I mean, they need both. There's no question about that. Um, uh, Archer has not pitched well. Bundy is uh, is off and on and has been a little bit more off um, of late. And with the injuries that you uh, talk about with the other guys, I mean, they, they could really, really use a starter. Um, and I think we knew that going into the season. I mean, they've done – they're in first place with a um, – a patched together uh, rotation and and uh, patched together bullpen pretty much. So I mean they're they're doing they've done fine to this point, but the, it everything changes in August and September, and especially in September. By that time, the good players and the good pitchers they they start they start doing what they've done uh, in their range of averages uh, over uh, over time and. Uh, the White Sox are going to play better, uh, and, and Cleveland's going to continue to pitch well. So I, I think it's going to be a difficult two months with the Twins unless they uh, unless they do a little bit of both. But I hope I'm wrong about that. They could always – I mean, Rocco said to the uh, to the media the other day, you know, I mean, if someone comes in, we'll welcome them, you know, as part of the family. And if nobody comes in, I think we have the ability to uh, get the job done with who we have. Uh, that, you know, kind of a classic Rocco statement. I, I think the reality is, is I, you know, it's one thing in April and May uh, to, um, you know, see how things are going to go, uh, and they can go better than uh, than than you expect. In August and September, by by the middle of August, uh, teams are going to start living up to who they are. So, we, I, I think they, I think they need to do, they need to do both. Not in order to win and, and certainly go deep in the playoffs. Not to say that they have to. Uh, I mean, they, they can't give away the store, you know, trying to win. I mean, they've got enough, you know, enough need that one or two guys uh, uh, 
are, are not going to change the whole organization for the next five years. Those guys aren't available either because they aren't or because the twins can't give up enough, you know, to get those guys, uh, those kind of guys. But a key uh, addition here or there could uh, could get them, you know, into the, into winning the division, and uh, we'll see if they can get that done. Well, I um, I think um, they definitely need multiple pitchers before the deadline. They need one starter, definitely, um, for all the reasons Jim laid out. I, I mean, you can't uh, you can't rely on Bundy and Archer. Is you know, is he ever going to pitch it to the sixth inning ever again? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, his latest debacle against Milwaukee was really concerning um, after having the All Star break off. So. I think they need one starter and two relievers to just short things up. Uh, Rocco uh, came out after the first loss to the Brewers and said, um, you know, after the sixth inning, the Brewers bring out this guy, then they bring out Devin Williams, then they bring out Hader. I like to see us get to a point where we could do something like that. To me, that was a a uh, a shot at the the front office saying, let's get some guys in here. So like we can make the last three innings of these of these games uh, a little more a little easier on all of us, set up a nice little system for the last uh, couple of innings of the game here, and bring in some guys we can get it done. Um, but with uh, with Ar- with Archer and Bundy struggling and other guys injured in rotation, you definitely need a starter. Um, I-, I like to see him go after Castillo with the Reds or even Montas with the A's, although he's. Just coming back from an IL stint, which can be a little concerning, but he's a quality arm. Uh, um, just for the mere fact that, uh, you know, they play themselves into a tight race in the AL Central. And at the top of the reasons why is because um, the bullpen has blown so many leads. But on the flip side, too, uh, especially with Archer's position in the rotation, I, I'm at the point now Archer should be in the bullpen. Uh, if he can't go five innings. Um, you're putting pressure on the bullpen, you know, the cover 12, 15 outs. Um, and uh, I looked it up. I think it was after four or five of his outings this year, they had to make a pitching move the next day just because they needed a fresh arm because Archer's, you know, pitching three innings, all of a sudden hitting a wall. So um, I think they need uh, another starter for that spot in the rotation and see if you can get something out of Archer as a reliever. So, um they got to be prepared to let go of some promising capital. You know, do they have to give up the Austin Martin? Do they have to put in a Simeon Woods Richardson or, or Jordan Balazovich who's got upside, but, you know, kind of started out struggling for, for, um, for St. Paul. Um, they're going to have to uh, make some tough decisions here. I'm, I'm guessing these teams are going to be asking about uh, Kirilov or probably even more. So Miranda uh, after the hot streak Miranda has been on, um, are they willing to to, pry, to to part with one of those guys in order to get quality arms? Because the only way I think the, the offense is good enough to be functional um, when everybody's clicking, it's a good offense. But um, this, this, this pitch, they're, they are three arms short of a team that can win in the postseason, in my opinion. I agree with you. Uh, two quick questions for you. Let's start with Lavelle this time. How good is Castillo? I think he's what under control for another year, year and two months. So you'd actually be helping out your rotation next year. And I mean, so I, my question for Lavelle is how good is Castillo? My question for Roy following up on that is uh, could you stomach trading Miranda? Because I don't think I could. So Lavelle, you start. Luis Castillo um, is a, is a maybe 
the most talented starting pitcher that's been rumored to be available. I mean, he's got two eight six ERA um, on a crummy Reds team. He lost sixteen games last year on a crummy Reds team, but he still had a three nine eight ERA. So that's weird. Eight and sixteen, three nine eight ERA. Um, he's got great stuff. He does not uh, give up a lot of hits. Um, right, he's only giving up like six and a half hits per nine innings right now. Um, he's not a big time strikeout guy. But he can average about a strikeout an inning, you know, and he's got, he's got pretty good control. So um, he would step into the rotation and be, he'd be uh, a notch in front of Sonny Gray, uh, which is a, which is an upgrade. Um, the the one thing Castillo's done better this year too, is he, he's probably walking a fewest batters uh, of his career. So he's got good control. He's got good stuff. Um, and uh, it's hard to, he's hard to hit, you know, so I like him a lot. And he's 29 years old, uh, under control for like another year or two. Uh, Jim and, and Roy, the other thing too, when we're lo- looking at um, potential bull, uh, potential starters, I'm sure the Twins are thinking of next year because they'll have Maeda back and they'll have Gray back and they'll have another year of 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 Joe Ryan. Uh, and adding on to that, they they may be thinking that uh, you know we're looking pretty good set up for 2023. And I'm like, don't think like that. Um, you never know uh, if a team can get hot in the postseason and make a run. Now, even if you're matched up against a team like the Yankees, you got to put yourself in a position to, uh, to be as, as lethal as possible going down the stretch here and into the postseason. And plus the players deserve it. The guys who have been in that clubhouse all year, you know, who, you know, have helped them get to the point where they're at now. You know, this is where you give them a little nudge and, and acknowledge the fact that they've uh, they've kicked butt this year, and to buy and you do that by buttressing your pitching staff. Okay, so I, I hear everything you say, uh, Lavelle, and I uh, agree with everything you say. Uh, for me, it's just a question of yes, but how uh, to answer your question, Jim, directly. Nope, nope, and nope. I'm trading Miranda. Uh, mm-hmm. Just you know, not. Not in my ability even to even think about it. So the, the kid can really hit. We've only he's only scratched the surface. As good as he's been, uh, I believe that um, he is going to be this kind of hitter. You know, full season every every year. He's, he can hit uh, right-handers. He doesn't miss pitches that um, you know hanging breaking balls and stuff that's from tough right-handers. When he gets a when he gets a cookie to hit, to hit he makes them pay even the good pitchers. And so I would, um, I, I mean, he's a no for me. You, you, you hold on to him. And, and that kind of goes to uh, the larger point, which is, you know, how do you get the kind of pit, the, the kind of uh, pitchers that, uh, and the number of pitchers, and that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, earlier. Yeah. I'd love to have Castillo or, or, or Montas or, you know, anybody that would jump to the, to the front of the rotation, that's a huge, that's a huge lift uh, down the stretch and, and into the playoffs. And uh, I'd love to, love to do that. And, you know, I'd love to see them get a, uh, another, you know, high quality reliever so that you have, uh, let's call it, you know, Griffin Jacks and uh, another reliever and uh, Duran, you know, in seven, eight, nine. I mean, I'd love to see that. I just don't know how much that's going to take. I mean, when I say I don't know, I suspect that to get even two of those guys, to get a, a frontline starter and a, and a frontline reliever, 
you're going to have to give up people uh, as you always will. You always have to part with people that you, you'd like to keep. I don't think the twins are at the point yet in their, in the, on their major league roster or in this, in a system where they can just cavalierly give away uh, Kirilov. You don't, you know, you don't know what for sure, uh, what, um, uh, Trevor Larnick is, is going to do. He, I mean, I think he's going to be a good player. And you're looking, you know, you're looking at uh, Larnick, Buxton, and Kepler, uh, you know, down the road and no Kirloff. Um, don't know. I mean, I just, I really, you know, I, I, I think one of those three outfielders is probably expendable. You, uh, you have to take that, that gamble, but that's not going to get Castillo. And so you package one of those guys with, one of your good uh, with your good prospects, maybe uh, uh, Kirilov and Austin Martin, and maybe the Reds don't think uh, either one of those guys is a sure enough thing to part with a guy of, uh, of you know when they're entertaining offers from you know other uh, uh, you know other teams with you, you, uh, that have you know they, they think have higher value. So I. I agree with everything you say, Lavelle. I really do. I'd love to see all those things happen. I just, I'm skeptical about how they get it done for that for that caliber. Agreed. Hey, let's uh, let's go back now. Let's engage in a little nostalgia, and then we'll come back to uh, the Twins' current issues. Do want to thank Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Also, thank Perfect Ash. We'll tell you about. The- more about those sponsors here in a second. Uh, Lavelle, tell me about your weekend in Cooperstown. What was it like? Uh, this is my third trip to Cooperstown. I went in 2014 when I was the president and had to introduce Roger Angel, who received the uh, the Spink Award at the time. That's what it was called. And then uh, four years later, I was there for Jack Morris to be inducted. And this time I was there for Leva and Cot. And it was a, another great weekend, a great celebration of baseball. And the, my thing was just watching just Tony be happy for an entire weekend. Um, uh, he, the smile never left his face. Uh, I think he, you know, he had given up on uh, any hope of getting into the hall. So he was absolutely thrilled and delighted uh, when he got the call and uh, he showed it um, uh, hilarious thing. You know, they make a big deal about these speeches and they tell these, um, they tell the recipients, keep your speeches to this amount of time or that amount of time. And I think this year's recommendation was 10 minutes per speech. Tony's speech uh, was 18 minutes and five seconds long. Um, it was 15 minutes in English and the last three in Spanish. <laughs> and <laughs> and he didn't even read his speech. He totally ad-libbed uh, his entire speech. He had the speech written. It was in the little book that you walk up to the podium with. He never opened the book. <laughs> and he just started talking off. Uh, uh, just let it flow, flow. He says, this is what I see from my heart. You know, so... Uh, he talked about his childhood days in Cuba, talked about teammates, coaches that helped him. But it was just one thank you after another uh, for all the years uh, that he had not been in the hall. And, of course, Jim Cott, total class, great gentleman, great articulator of the game. Uh, he had a very fine and poignant speech as well. I had not heard the story about his father nixing him getting $25,000 to to pitch for the White Sox. Uh, which meant he would have to go and be on the major league roster as a bonus baby. Instead, uh, he took the twins offer of $4,000 so he can go to the minors and learn about the game. I had not heard that story um, before, 
So, and that was what the weekend was about. Um, just a great storytelling, lots of laughter, and a lot of great memories. Um, I have to say this too. You know, when I say celebration of baseball, I mean I, I mean internationally because there were there were people there for you know Cotton Oliva, there were people there for Minnie Minoso, um, and there were people there for David Ortiz. But that was two groups of people. It was Red Sox fans who were there for Ortiz, and then people from the Dominican Republic who were just Ortiz fans because they took over the flags, the colors, the chants, the dancing. Um, it was unbelievable the the show of force they made. There was about as many Dominican uh, reporters as there were American reporters at the at the uh, at the event this week. And then Ortiz threw a party at some brewery after the ceremony that was capped at five thousand uh, people attending. <laughs> and so uh, that one that one was off the rails, and it was broadcasted back live to the Dominican Republic with guest spots from former players and. Uh, I know Latroy Hawkins w- was over there, and and uh, Gladden and Dan Gladden and Mike Pagley really were around. Ken Herbig was around. Uh, big Twins contingent. Um, great party for Cot and Oliva on Saturday night. They uh, erected a cigar bar uh, in honor of Tony. Although Dave St. Peter said they also thought of me when they were putting it together, and uh, they also had a creamery. Uh, for Jim Cott, they called it Cott's Creamery. So they had like little bells and whistles and and uh, things like that at the party. But um, it was just a, just a great weekend. Other than the rain, because it rained, I think a little bit every day. Um, it, w- it was just fantastic. I never uh, and I did not get to the top floor of the museum again. I didn't even get to the museum. I had so much stuff going on during the day. I said this year I'm gonna fi- finish finally get to see the the parts of the museum I haven't seen, and I wasn't able to get in the museum. So I still have another reason. To go, but I told Joe Mar while we were there. I said I've been going every four years, so 2026, I expect you to get voted in. So I'll I'll be back for your induction. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to get Roy's thoughts on this group uh, first. Once again, we want to thank Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Also, want to hear from Lavelle about Perfect Dash. Yeah, folks, uh, as you just heard, they had the cigar bar in Cooperstown the, as part of the celebration for Tony going into the hall, which was right up my alley. Uh, and if you uh, also are a fan of cigars and baseball, uh, check out the Perfect Ash located in Evergrove Heights, Minnesota. Um, they have over 300 different uh, models of cigars to choose from. There is a in, in this humidor. They have uh, lots of leather sofas and chairs to sit on and plenty of televisions to watch sporting events like Twins games. Um, and so come out and join like-minded individuals uh, at the Perfect Ash and keep, and also keep your calendar open for September 26th is the Perfect Perfect Ash Golf Tournament at uh, at Hastings Go- uh, Country Club uh, as a fundraiser for the local Shriners uh, uh, organization. So Perfect Ash, Invergrove Heights, Golf Tournament, September 26th, Hastings Country Club. Be there. Cool. And by the way, if you'd like to advertise with this show, it's going to be a fascinating stretch run here and probably a postseason. And the off seasons are just as interesting as the regular seasons. You can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknork.com. Roy, I've been saying all week that uh, I thought this was a particularly endearing group of inductees. Cott is a great ambassador to the game and a great broadcaster as well as being a great pitcher. Tony Oliva is a great Minnesota Twins ambassador always great with players as well as the fans. Uh, David Ortiz is such a, a you know historic figure, both the Red Sox and the Dominican Republic. Uh, I, I just, it, to me, it was just really heartening to see these guys going together. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, let's not forget Minnie Minoso and, and, and Buck O'Neill. You know, I mean, it, yes, it, yes. It, 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 was, it was wonderful. I mean, it, it talked about uh, a celebration of baseball. Uh, Buck O'Neill should be celebrated. Baseball should celebrate uh, him. Uh, and the same with the great Minnie Minoso. And you talk about ambassadors for the game. And, and you know, he was the White Sox, you know, the whole franchise for a while. And just a, just a just a wonderful, wonderful personality. And, and then, you know, then we get to, to Kitty and, and Tony O and, and that I'm just, it's, I'm just so happy for those guys. It, the fact that it took so long is going to stick in my throat for a long time uh, for, you know, for both. It, it, Absolutely. It both those guys that long. It's, a, it, I, it doesn't temper my happiness for them or my, the, uh, how glad I am that they're that they're in, but it's just such a travesty that those guys, you know, had to had to wait this long uh, to go in and see me like an afterthought, and it it just really really it really irks me. And you know, we can go through all the stats and all that stuff, but I mean, everybody everybody knows the you know the highlights uh, of of both you know both careers. Sixteen gold gloves for a pitcher. I mean, I. It, if you play 25 years and win 16 gold gloves, does it really matter what your one loss ERA and strikeout percentage is? He, he pit, some team, some manager was putting him out there, you know, for 25 years. And, uh, and, and in the meantime, he won 16 gold gloves. I mean, there's a reason why he kept pitching is because that somebody wanted him to, you know, continue getting outs. And you know, I just think it, it, that's, that was ridiculous. I mean, if that's not a hall of fame, I mean, you think you go into the hall, it, like LaBelle saying, you're going you're gonna to go in there and, and look at all the history. And uh, a pitcher with 16 gold gloves, I mean, that's plaque's got to be on the wall. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be celebrated. You know, the guy that pitched 25 years. And then Tony, I mean, I get I get really, really upset about about Tony. I just I will just say in his first eight years in the in the game. He won three batting titles and finished either uh, second or third the other the other five years. Won a Gold Glove and was uh, uh, eight time was eight straight All Star games starting with his rookie year. Won two batting titles in his rookie year and and the next year no one's done that. I mean it, I, I don't care that he you know, hurt his knee didn't play as I don't care I don't care he was he was one of the top 10 players in the game, if not top five uh, in terms of position players and, and certainly in terms of outfielders for eight straight years. I mean, what, what do you got to do? So um, sorry about the little rant there. I mean, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm so happy, you know, for those guys happy for, uh, as you say, Jim, a wonderful, wonderful group of people that, that went in from a baseball celebration standpoint. Uh, but damn it. What the hell took so long? Well said. All right, we're going to go back to some current events here. We were talking a day before the Twins will start a series that, and I'm writing about this for my Friday column, Lavelle. Uh, I think the baseball gods are conspiring to have Miguel Sano face Taylor Rogers just to drive Twins fans absolutely bonkers. <laughs> uh, yeah, you may be right about that. Now, we were sitting here trying to speculate on how the Twins are going to get Sano on the roster. And I kept maintaining that sometimes these things work themselves out. Well, this was a time where it did, it did not work itself out and they had to send down Celestino. So now I think the twins are kind of flying by the seat of their pants here a little bit. 
um, with Buxton being backed up by Nick Gordon, who, who, you know, he means well out there, but uh, you know, he still sometimes takes bad routes and, and, and gets seems seems time. Sometimes he's just out of position. Um, but you know, I guess it is what it is and who knows how long they'll, uh, they'll go with snow here. Um, um, they batted him ninth in Milwaukee, and that should have been kind of another wake-up call to him as well as as far as you know how far he has to go to kind of get back into good graces. But I, I just don't know how much he's going to play. He's going to get fired out of, uh, fired out against lefties, I would imagine. Um, that means Luis Arise is not in the lineup, but probably because he'll be at uh, first base, or maybe he'll be at DH if Buck can play in center. And by the way, I guess Buck's knee feels great after this uh, PRP injection. So we'll see uh, how long this this lasts for him. That can make things easier if he uh, if uh, his knee improves. But you know, for Miguel, he's got to take advantage of uh, the the limited opportunities he's going to get to contribute to this team. Uh, and part of me, I it's too bad this isn't two weeks ago because I think they'd have a couple weeks to see where Miguel is at and possibly move him, uh, even for like some A ball guy and just you know kind of cut the court that way. Um, he's going to have to come in. And do a lot of damage quickly to, to prove that uh, he can be part of this thing. Um, I I just think after a month they're going to have to make a hard decision with him because they're going to need roster flexibility and they're going to need uh, help elsewhere. So we'll see. And Roy, let's ask you about Taylor Rogers. Uh, of course, the Twins missed him early in the season. Of course, they missed him when they were blowing leads against Cleveland. I but just to be fair now, I have to point out. Taylor Rogers' ERA over the last month, since I think June 28th, is 8.5. Yep. Um, he he has had three or four bad outings in a row. Uh, his ERA the last two seasons coming to this year is about 3.5. I mean, of course you'd like to have Taylor Rogers, but you know, I think I think if we're going to criticize the trade, it's going to be because they brought back Pagan and because Paddock got hurt, not because Taylor Rogers is just you know just. Uh, beyond question at this point but that, that's my view what is your view well you know what my view is because i i said it when it uh when it happened uh i i don't think it it was a bad trade because uh paddock got hurt basically i mean yep. you're looking at yep. uh you're obviously looking at a, I mean, we're talking about needing a starting need, need another starting pitcher uh even if it's a i mean Paddock looked like he was going to be a better option than than Bundy and Archer, right? So, if he had been healthy and pitched well, uh, and let me do it, not, let me put it a different way: if he had been healthy, I think he would have been the uh, third starter at this point, you know, for for some yeah. time. And I think that would have been that would have been worth it. When you think about the fact that uh, Taylor Rogers was, you were not going to be able to sign him to the kind of money he's probably going to get from somebody. Because he's not really a closer. I mean, he's one, he's one in five this year. With in addition to the ERA, he's talking about he's one in five, and he's blown seven out of thirty-five saves opportunities. I mean, he's not a. a, a I would love to have him in the you know seventh or eighth inning in front of uh, Duran, but uh, you can't. You're going to lose him at the end of the year. You're not going to pay him the money that he's going to get as a free agent, and you got it. You got to try to get something uh, for him. I think they did a uh, they did a, a creditable job of trying to say, okay, we want the starter. We'll take we'll take Pagan as a reliever because he looks like he could be serviceable. You know, Pagan's had his issues, but you just don't know that the, the you know that the starter is going to break down. So I I don't have a I don't have a problem with that trade other than uh, you know 
sorry that it worked out the way it did, but not not because oh my god, you never should have gotten rid of Taylor Rogers. That I don't I don't agree with that. Yep, agreed. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how all these things. They, there's so many moving parts right now, as you said. We've talked about so many core players who are valuable and or promising or interesting. Uh, so much need for pitching, uh, but they're kind of also caught in, you know, it's easy to say this is, they have so many good young players. Royce Lewis might end up being their best player by the time he develops. You've, you could look at this as a team that's kind of building towards something, but when you sign Carlos Correa to what essentially is a one-year deal, and when you have Buxton healthy, and playing at an all-star level, you almost feel like you got to go for it this year. So I, that's my last baseball question of the of this show before we get to our music moment. Uh, and let's start with Roy this time. Do you view this as a roster that should be going for it now, or as a roster that is just in a process of trying to build something? I still think they're in the process. I think I, I think this is this is a way overachievement, and and um, based on where we thought they were before the. Um, the Urshela uh, trade and uh, and the uh, Correa uh, uh, signing and uh, Royce Lewis and, and and Jose Miranda bursting on the scene like they're going to be really terrific players. I mean, we 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 didn't we didn't have this kind of uh, this kind of optimism at all at the at the start of the season. And you know, good for the Twins for making us making us feel this way. But I think they're still – I don't think they're so stocked, as I said before, in the, in the minor leagues or even on the, even on the roster. Lavelle made, a, made a, just kind of a really quick point, but it, it, it's an important one for me. This is a uh, lineup that has to hit up and down the lineup. It, the, the, and, and you guys remember, Jim, you remember I said four years ago now, I, the thing that concerned me most is I don't see a Nelson Cruz – you know, on the, uh, on the horizon. So whenever it is that Nelly's done, uh, who's going to be, who's going to step up and be that stud in the third or fourth spot. And the answer is, you know, nobody, uh, everybody's just going to have to hit up to their capability and nobody hit below their capability. And, and that kind of ebbs and flows with this, with this lineup uh, in terms of whether they're, they are hitting with their, you know, with, with the best of their uh, ability on a consistent basis. So I look at that, I look at the lineup currently and yeah, I mean, I think you got to trade a guy like Kirilov at some point in time to get, to get pitching, but that means you are absolutely, you know, committed to Kepler and Larnick flanking, uh, flanking Buxton. And um, you're absolutely committed to uh, Royce Lewis playing shortstop next year instead of, instead of Carlos Correa. And, and then, and then I look, you know, down the, you know, down the road, it, it, uh, down through the minor league system. I say, you know what? It's not like they've got five guys that are knocking on the door. I mean, the guys that knocked on the door, the door was open and here they are. And so I, I just have a really hard time saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta go for it. I mean, I, I one thing you could do is put together, you know, use Arshella in a in a trade. Let Miranda go ahead and play third base. Just make that make that decision, uh, as well as Urshela. I mean, I don't think I've seen third base played this well in in quite some time as 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 Gio Urshela has played it this year for the Twins. Um, but you know, maybe you package something with an outfielder in Urshela and try to do do something. Maybe there's a prospect or two in the minor leagues, but 
you know, in order to sustain any kind of multi-year excellence, I, I just don't know how much the Twins can give away. Lavelle? Oh, sorry. Are we talking baseball or music at this point? <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I think Roy summed it up very well. So let's go ahead and segue into our music moment. Start us off. Start us off with your music moment. By the way, uh, thanks for the people who put in for the Lyle Lovett tickets last weekend. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, and if we get a chance to give away some more tickets in the future, we will let you know. I uh, just wanted to kind of kick off our music moment with that giveaway. All right, Lavelle, give me your music moment today. Well, um, I was listening to some Stones the other day for some reason, and I started thinking about uh, the the last and only time I've ever saw the Rolling Stones, which uh, I'm I'm grateful to have seen them once, but I'm mad that I've only seen them once, and that was when they toured the United States in 06 and played at Excel Energy Center. And I remember Buddy Guy opened for the Rolling Stones that night, and it was absolutely fantastic. Buddy Guy came out and jammed with Mustang Sally, some of some other hits. And then he came out in the middle of the Stones set and played a couple songs with them. And I really thought they had to keep up with him because he was on fire that night uh, at the X. It was a juiced up crowd and it was a great, great effort by the Stones. Um, Mick Jagger had on the tightest T-shirt I ever seen a man wear, uh, but he was still bouncing around like he was 35 years old. Um, just uh, good memories of something that's about uh, 16 years ago. Wow. Yes, yeah, about 16 years ago, I was uh, at the X for that that concert but uh yeah buddy guy out with the stones that's definitely a highlight of my music viewing uh career good stuff roy what do you have for us uh on the uh plane ride uh from milwaukee to san diego last night i was uh clicking through my um list uh, my various lists of um uh, playlists and artists and and uh i i came across a guy that i is one of my favorite guitarists he's uh, this is a different sort of style uh than most of the guys we uh, talk about but i hadn't listened to him uh for a while the, he's basically a jazz guitarist but he's played some things that are will just knock your socks off that have more of a more uh, of, a, of, a, of a rock feel to it al dimiola oh yeah um, phenomenal guitar player so i'm gonna make two recommendations to uh, you guys and to listen uh, to our listeners uh, listen to a song called Cruisin'. It's on a live uh, Al Demiola uh, uh, album. It, it plays with um, uh, Jan Hammer, who plays the, you know, the, 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 the electric, the, uh, uh, what do you call, Jim? What do you call the uh, keyboard that uh, has a fret like a guitar? Guitar. Uh, a guitar. So, I mean, it's just a really great back and forth. And there's a bass line in there right in the middle of it. This guy is just jamming with a serious thunder thumb uh, pounding on the on the bass. It's just a, it's just a rocking tune. And and then there's another one that's very, very um, uh, Latin influenced. It's called Mediterranean Sundance. And Demille is playing with a guy named Paco de Lucia, who's also a terrific uh, guitar player in that genre. And they are just, they play back and forth in it with uh, uh, acoustic uh, guitar, electric acoustics and uh, guitars. And it is, it's remarkable, remarkable stuff. So if you want something just a little bit different, great guitar player, uh, a phenomenal song and cruising in terms of just getting you up out of your seat, it's just really fun. And then if you want to just sit and listen to some uh, incredible Latin, and I won't say flamenco, it's not like that, but it has kind of that feel to it. But these guys just 
just cook on uh, on uh, electric acoustics, and it's it's pretty cool. Cool stuff. Uh, I'm going to uh, join a couple of worlds. Uh, we're, we've been talking a lot about Gary Clark Jr. lately for all the right reasons. Of course, uh, as soon as we started talking about him last week, I was like, God, Springsteen, ever, Springsteen has to play with everybody. So did he ever play with Gary Clark Jr.? And of course he has. Uh, Gary Clark Jr., Springsteen at the Kennedy Center Honors, uh, one of these recent years. They uh, actually got together with Clark's band and played uh, Come Together, uh, which is you know, not what you'd expect those two to play. And it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool version of that. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, we will, I have a, already have my music moment for next week in mind for this week. Thanks for listening to chin music. Thanks for listening to talkworth.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at talkworth pod, find all the shows at talkworth.com. We have the best sports lineup in town, outdoor content, everything else. It's a blast doing this show with with Roy and Lavelle. And we'll be back next week to talk about the trade deadline and everything else else that's happening in the Twins.